set me down and was like, hey, we're going to watch this film. And handcuffed me to a chair. Handcuffed me to a chair. No, and it, it was that scene in Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Orange with the, you know. <laughs> like, you're going to watch this. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. You're going to fucking watch yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Please lock all doors and seal all windows. All members in your household should hide in the most central part of a building. This is just a girl's. Hi, I'm Candy, the final girl. I despised him. I wish it'd been me. I wish I'd thought of it. <laughs> and I'm Shaun of the Dead. Nothing makes one so vain as being told one is a sinner. <laughs> and tonight on the House That Screams Horror Business Edition, we are talking about the 1998 film by Todd Haynes called Velvet Goldmine. We have Crystal. It's funny how beautiful beautiful people look when they're walking out the door. <laughs> we have Dave Gurman. Yeah, I like boys. I like girls. They're all great. No difference is there. Mr. BBC. <laughs> oh, oh that's the so accent. good. Nailed it. Special returning guest, uh, Jennifer. It's as subtle as the piece of skin between my vagina and my anus. Ooh la la. Now what is that called? I can never quite remember. No man's land. Oh gosh, my jeez, darling. <laughs> <laughs> that was that so was good. Great. <laughs> it was really land. good. You guys with the accents, you nailed it. And I wouldn't have so props to you. Yes. Um, starting off the conversation tonight will be Jenna. Jenna and I cooked this episode up specially, so she gets to go. Oh, my God. So much to say. So little time. <laughs> um, we were talking. We were just talking about how. Um, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the first time we ever saw this. I'm like. I like legitimately do not remember the first time I saw this. I just like feel like I just grew up with it. <laughs> um, I was like a huge David Bowie fan back in the day. Still am, obviously. But like David Bowie has definitely inspired me a whole lot. And of course, I was, you know, I would watch anything that even slightly had to deal with David Bowie. And this is like... Definitely not a biography on Bowie, but it is definitely inspired a lot by Bowie's life. And most of the characters I wrote down, all of the characters and like who they kind of represented, um, they're all they all have something to do with David Bowie. And there's parts of um, of the uh, of of just like there's like little parts that are just like David Bowie. Um and there are a lot of other artists who were in this movie that inspired me back then too. Like um, Placebo's Brian Molko was in it. Um, that's all I can remember. <laughs> 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 but, um, and, and it was, so this movie just like kind of introduced me to the whole glam rock scene as well as um, uh, the soundtrack. The soundtrack also super inspired me like when i was re-watching this movie i was just singing all the songs like 
what that's like one of my songs like that's one of my soundtracks that i listen to all the time no matter what is just walking around listening to the velvet goldmine soundtrack so good um one more thing is um you know since it is gay pride and everything um this movie was really good on talking about bisexual like specifically bisexuality which you don't really see in movies it's usually like oh gay straight and this movie specifically is about bisexuality and what that meant and i think it's because like around the 1970s and 1980s that's when bisexuality was kind of like catching on in uh the mainstream media and you know a lot of people didn't really know what to think of it and i think this movie did a good job addressing that so i 100% agree with that um for me i was working at a video store because i graduated in 1997 so i was working at a video store when this came out and I knew the song Velvet Goldmine from Bowie because like, okay, I have to explain a little bit about the 90s for a second for me. I was in high school in the 90s and I didn't like the music. I didn't like the the manner of dress. I didn't like any of it. So I got like really deep into, um, you know, Bowie and, you know, just a lot of this stuff. I was always into punk, you know, just I was always very 70s oriented. So instead of like, melding to these 90s trends I was living in the 70s and like so my house was a party house because my mom was like cool with us smoking weed she smoked with us whatever and um you know I knew all of this stuff about like you know this music and, and I'd put it on sometimes at parties and I'm like what the fuck is this I'm like I'm sorry it's not Nirvana um this is David Bowie <laughs> um and they're like Oh, he's that one guy that does, you know, you know, name a 70s, you know, an 80s song. And I'm like, I'm not a big fan of like the thin white Duke time period. I'm much more Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, like that kind of stuff. And um, so, but yeah, so I knew that that was a Bowie song. I looked at the cover and I looked at the back and I'm like, I'm taking this home to rent it, you know, like, cause I got free rentals and I watched it and it was like, I felt like that moment where Arthur, who is played by Christian Bale, because we've got this amazing fucking cast in this. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I will also move to uh, to say that uh, this is probably my favorite soundtrack ever in a movie. But um, yeah, I, I was just completely just absorbed into this movie. I fell in love with Jonathan Reese Myers. I thought Ewan McGregor was like a god. He, was, he nailed Iggy Pop's movements because uh, mostly he performs. Like I love when he does Gimme Danger by uh you know famous uh iggy pop and the stooges song um tvi um like he he would fucking nail that shit like i was just blown away but christian bale's character arthur when he's pointing to tv like that's me that's me that's how i felt when i watched this movie and um yeah i would be confused about my sexuality for a long time i remember there was a time magazine thing in the 90s that said bisexuality the new sexual identity and I, that always stuck with me but um, there, there's more to that, but we don't have to go into that right now as far as like sexual identity. But like, I just, I felt like that when I watched this movie, like, that's me. That's me. So, um, so that's my first encounter. I have more to say, but we'll get there. Yeah, well, I'll hop in real quick. Um, I'll, I'll keep it short. I had not seen this movie uh, for a long time. It was actually Candy that, that introduced it to me. 
I was aware of it. I had seen it. I had seen the uh, the VHS cover. Um, I was familiar with Ewan McGregor from Train Spotting, and of course, you know, right after he filmed this, he was Obi Wan Kenobi. And you yeah, know, was it really right after? It, yes. Uh, yes, almost like a month, <laughs> like a month later. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah isn't it? <laughs> and 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 you know, of course, I became you know a huge fan of Christian Bale with American Psycho and The Machinist, and you know a whole bunch of of his later work. But um, yeah, I I had seen this film and I knew it was somewhat of a biopic, and I'm not like a big fan of biopics. And, you know, I'll be honest, in in that time period in my life, you know, Candy talks about, about the 90s, <clears throat> I wasn't into Bowie. Um, I, I've not ever really been a big Bowie fan. There, are, he, I've been introduced to some Bowie from Candy, and there are some Bowie that I like, but it, it was just never really my cup of tea. And so she eventually, you know, set me down and was like, hey, we're going to watch this film Handcuff me to a chair. Handcuff me to a chair. No, and it was that scene in Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, Orange with the, yeah. you know. Yeah, right. like, you're going to watch this. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. You're going to fucking watch yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I kind of went into it with a grain of salt because I'm like, you know, I don't particularly enjoy these types of films. And, you know, the glam era in the 70s wasn't really an era that I ever really, like, you know, um, got into or paid paid a whole lot of attention to. And I, I gotta say, like, you know, from what the film is great. The cinematography in this film is great. Uh, the outfits are amazing. Uh, and you've got some amazing actors. I mean, Jonathan Reese Myers, like, oh my God. You know, I mean, like, you talk about Boy Crush, like, he's, he's pretty smoking in if this you, film. If you're not bisexual when you watch this movie, <laughs> in the you, end, you are. You will be. You will be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He um, has excellent bone structure. Yeah, really does. I, I love it. And and it's interesting, like, you know, after watching this and then going through and, and finding out, you know, trivia and behind the scenes stuff about this film, about David Bowie and Iggy Pop and, you know, how it's about them, but not about them, you know, and it's it's kind of interesting. And, and David Bowie's reactions to the film and, and things like that, which I know we'll get into. Uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. There are so many films out there that, that are made about specific people or specific events, but not really about those events. And 99% of the time people don't bat a fucking eye, but you know, just to preface for shitty reviews, when I was getting gathering ammunition for that, like there are so many fucking stuck up people out there, you know, so fucking many. And they probably all live in the South. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm I'm interested to hear what Dave and Crystal have to say. Well, uh, watching that, I have to admit that yesterday was the first time I'd ever seen this film. You guys uh, have the bisexual lighting on too right now. (laughs) We did. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, What struck me about this film, it's sort of the, the concept that every generation uh, musically, especially musically and aesthetically and, and sexually has to kind of destroy the generation that comes before it. So like you had sort of the flower child generation before this free love. I think that was sort of the beginning where men could start to become beautiful. Like men could look, but they were still like masculine. Like if you watch hair, 
which I love hair, by the way. Talking about soundtracks. Yeah, I, mm. I can sing that whole thing. In fact, I, I will if you want me to. No. I won't. <laughs> but, um, and then you've got, and then glam rock came along and took it even further where men could not just be beautiful, but they, but like sexual identity uh, uh, in and of itself could, could be blurred. Like men could be more like women and, and, and uh, men could be attracted to other men. And, uh, and, but unfortunately uh, I'm a little bit too young to even be, uh, uh, have been around then. I came up during punk and punk is another example of like, they kept, punk rock came along and said, fuck all that. We're just going to strip it down to a minute and a half. You know, we're going to be angry and quick and get the fuck and get the fuck off the stage. And it, I just love the way that every generation has to destroy the generation before. Like my dad listened to big band. I can only imagine what like his parents thought about that. You know, when they, every generation, that's their job is to destroy specifically musically, but fashion wise too, the generation that came before it and forge their own identity. So I, I, I always try to remind my daughter as she gets on, just remember that whatever you're doing today and you think is so cool in 20 years is going to be ridiculous. Right. It's going to be ridiculous. But that's that's your job as a generation is to destroy what came before and make your own. And unfortunately, then in 20 years, you look ridiculous. You know, you, you get destroyed. That's just the way it is, man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Me living in 90s nostalgia right now. Like, you know, that's like a big thing. And I'm like, oh, God, am I that old? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Some, well, some I, of it's I, great. Some of it's cringe. Yeah. yeah I think I just you're like, why the fuck did we do that? Or you see things yeah. that are today well, making a resurgence, and you're like, honey, don't do that. Don't. Yeah. Just yeah. don't let that die in the '90s. And, yeah. and these kids are are starting to do it, and you're like, yeah. no. Yeah. Like Max Headroom, yes. Polly Shore, no. Oh, you know? I I'm think Polly Shore. Louise and the Juice. Oh, I will oh. die on that hill by myself. Oh, no, I will oh. die on that hill with you. Okay, I love Polly Shore. He did have nice hair. I love Polly Shore. I <laughs> did just get a revelation though. Mm-hmm. It's not that um it's not that uh the younger generation is against the older generation. It's that in the middle there's some fake corporate shit that happens to music that like makes it super not cool and then something else has to come because like if you think about it glam rock and then hair metal and no matter where you are hair metal was never cool yeah (laughs) and then the flower power love child became disco yeah and like as like people might like some disco songs but it's corny it's not that good and then, like, the 90s, you had grunge music, and then that turned into, like, Goo Goo Dolls. Right. So, <laughs> or we yeah. had new metal. Which, in the then, way. like, yeah, yeah, and the new metal. Like, and there's Limp Bizkit that comes around you, you and ruins the fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like... You cut me, you cut me deep. I mean, you could still like those bands, but you have to know where... Like, I... Okay, this is, this is problematic now. Back in the day, I loved Manson, but, like... Right. He's I mean, a piece he's of shit. Yeah, but like, and also, other than that he's a piece of shit, he's like a corporate shill. Mm-hmm. There's a whole song that Trent Reznor made that talked about how much Star of a corporate fuckers. shill he was. No. Yeah. Right, so it's right. like, maybe it's not that the younger generation is so against the older generation's music, but what it turned into. And so they're like, oh, let's just get rid of all this and do something. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if, if it's in that. Up when, is it a Toyota commercial? You right. know, it's fucking time to. Move. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> it's, it's in the grocery store or it's on the, it's in the elevator. Yeah. When, yeah, when you hear the elevator, when you hear like, you know, 
Nirvana playing in the elevator. So I'm fucking right. Yeah. Trust me. If I begins to rebel, it's time to commit suicide. If I had a time machine, I'd go back in time and kill Fred Durst. I'm with you on that. Can I help? Fuck, let's do it now. Yes. I mean, let's no, against memory, the <laughs> Yeah, one of my best memories is seeing my dad singing Rolling as we were driving to PCB. Oh, that my God. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is like, I was like, do you even know this band? And he was like, no, but he knew the song. So that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a no for me. It's no for me, dog. Yeah, it's a no. It's a no for me. Um, but uh, let's see, I love David Bowie. Um, I'm going to be like a little bit of an outlander here. Um, my favorite movie has Bowie in it and, um, he is like the main antagonist. So this movie, hold on, I'll tell you in a second. This movie, um, I had recognized the artwork when I looked it up because I didn't recognize the name last week. And I looked it up and I was like, Candy knows, like I recognize this artwork. I don't, I don't understand how I recognize the cover. And Dave and I started watching it last night. We couldn't find it anywhere. So we, we had to watch it on YouTube with Italian subtitles. So we've learned some new Italian words, by the way. Um, <laughs> so go us. Um, but I, we were watching it and I was like, I've seen this movie before. And I don't fucking have a clue how I've seen this movie before. I, I I can't explain it, but anyway, but I love Bowie. Um, I hate Iggy Pop. I, you know, I'm just gonna no. like I'm sorry. Um, how? So so this, here's how. He had a big resurgence in the late '90s, um, and it, this movie probably helped push him. And all I can remember is he looked like fucking Skeletor. That is it. Yeah, He's that's not true. pretty, but that's his true. music is amazing. <laughs> that's what I love about him. <laughs> right. Music didn't grab me. I remember him being popular with the girls in high school because they were like, oh my God, his body's banging or whatever. And then I saw his face and I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? But but the music, his music didn't grab me. I was a big Bowie fan. So like I don't, I'm not an Iggy fan, Iggy Pop fan, just not. And you got to remember, I was on tour in 98 and I was on tour in 99. So some things I got, some things I didn't. So I might've seen this movie while I was on tour um, with, with the other dancers, but like, I don't like, Iggy just doesn't appeal to me. Now, Bowie, what I love from Bowie, like I, I love the Ziggy era, but Bowie, my favorite, my favorite movie is The Labyrinth. That's my favorite movie of all time. So it's I love 80s Bowie. And then like, you know, the juxtaposition with this is when- I was kind of hoping you were going to say cat people. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's a good one too. Um, or, you know, the man that fell from space. The hunger. Yeah, um, yeah, Arthur, the hunger. Yep. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur and the Invisibles is great too. Um, Last Temptation of Christ, fucking yeah. movie. Oh, I I've always wanted to see, and I never saw it. Uh, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Yes, 
that's yeah. a good one. But which is another good one for Gay Pride Month. <laughs> right. The Labyrinth is my favorite movie of all time. Um, and David Bowie did that entire soundtrack. That's my favorite soundtrack of, of all time. Shut up talking about the cod piece. Uh, I never noticed that until my ex-husband pointed that out. And I was like 28. Um, I was like a young child going, why am I staring at like this bulge? Never noticed it. I never noticed it. Um, but that's my favorite soundtrack of all time. And so um, when someone else tells me a, a movie soundtrack grabbed them, I can relate myself to that because I listen to that soundtrack at least once a week at least once a week and Bowie did that entire soundtrack so this soundtrack grabbing somebody I completely understand um the punk scene kind of missed me completely (laughs) uh because I'm a few years younger than Candy and so I was in high school in the 90s but completely got absorbed by the Backstreet Boys in sync 98 degrees that and I felt like a child of the 80s because I loved 80s music, new wave, glam rock, that entire thing, arena rock, you name it. The 80s missed me by a few years, loved every bit of it. So um, I liked this movie, but, but you know, the Iggy Pop-esque parts were hard to watch for me. It, they were. I'm sorry, Candy. They were. <laughs> um, can we get into like all the different references and all the different people? Yeah, um, we should. Yeah, since we're talking about Iggy Pop, <laughs> I'd like to talk about it, Iggy Pop. <laughs> I think my favorite part was because Hunky Dory is low key my favorite Bowie album. I just said that the other day. Yeah, we were talking about that Dory just the other day. Yeah. On. yeah, yeah. And, like, I love that, like, because, like, Hunky Dory was Bowie's first, like, appearance in the U.S., so it was a big deal. And, you know, the cover was, like, him with the long hair and, like, posing like Greta Garbo. Yeah. (laughs) And awesome, like, flower power skirt. (laughs) And um, that's how they, like, that's how they, like, kind of introduce him um, as a musician, in the movie and I'm like yes I love that <laughs> like they're actually following his timeline <laughs> mm-hmm. well I would like to say um, you know David Bowie um, there are two stories about David Bowie with this film mm-hmm. one is that he was in until he realized that they pulled from his ex-wife Angela's memoir um, which is backstage pass as I read it um, I like to read these rock memoirs. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other story is that Bowie wanted to make his own film about the time period, which did not happen, obviously, and will not happen because Bowie's gone. Mm-hmm. Sad. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was a sad day for me. But um, yeah, so there, there's a lot of stories as to why. I don't know which one is true. They're both if both of these stories are true um I, i'm not sure but so you know todd haynes and you know michael stipe was a an executive producer on on this film which i always thought was really cool mm-hmm. um not that i like rem but like i always liked michael stipe oh you hurt my georgia heart 
I'm sorry, uh, REM does not do it for me, except for it's the end you of the world. You don't like Iggy Pop, so. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. Hey. I'm sorry. Iggy, Pop, Iggy Pop gave his complete blessing. I mean, obviously, you can use my songs. And Kurt Wilde is, is very, I mean, they pulled a little bit from Lou Reed, but it was much more of an Iggy Pop presence. And I've always yeah. been a fan of the Stooges, um, Iggy Pop solo stuff, some of which he did with Bowie. Um, also, I would say Mick Ronson. Yeah, yeah, Mick Ronson is very yeah. much represented because he was Bowie's uh, guitarist um, when they, he, you know, it was uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders in, from Mars, um, particularly on that album, which was so influential to so many people. And like, and which I would say is like in the movie is like, that's when he dies. That's when uh, Brian Slade, who's like the Bowie figure dies is during the Ziggy Stardust years. Yeah, I'm assuming just following the album because that's kind of what happens. That's the message. I was actually listening to the album. I was I was listening music all day. Like you know, um, the soundtrack used to be on Spotify and it's not anymore. And I no longer have the CD because it's been a lot of years. But um, what's a CD? (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't believe I was trying to figure out because I'm like I remember I had the CD and I'm like where the did I get that? Like FYE, I guess. Probably. <laughs> God, FYE didn't even exist when I bought that fucker. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think I replaced it once, even years and years ago, though. But I bought it on like Amazon. You could still buy a CD of it, you know, like from somebody. I bought it on there. From but Columbia I no House. Have it. So, and, You're right. But, just, just one penny. Columbia House. Yeah. Uh, Columbia House and I, yeah, they they supply me with a lot of things uh, <laughs> for free because uh, that's a lot another story. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I'm an Iggy Pop fan and like I love the Stooges, so I I introduced Sean to more of uh, the Stooges music, and that was kind of like a really cool thing that he liked it because I was like, I don't know if he's gonna take to this. This is really Iggy Pop represents not only glam rock. But the beginning of punk rock and I love punk and I love glam. So and the New York Dolls were also in a a minor way because Mm -hmm. they weren't around for super long. But um, the New York Dolls were also kind of a bridge between glam rock and punk rock. So, you know, I, I appreciate that because what this movie is trying to capture is this very brief time period, time capsule going to 1974 of the glam rock phenomena and that, you know, which was taken over by punk which was taken over by metal, which, you know, like what we talked about, but I love this little time capsule and the way that it's told um, is very much uh, like Citizen Kane, which is considered by many critics, the best film of all time. So if you can't, (laughs) it's such a good point. It really is (laughs) It's told that way. And I have to say, there's a song that I've always loved. And, and a lot of, most of the music you have to realize that is used in this is uh, Brian Eno's music. Yeah. (laughs) Brian Eno's music, and he he was in Roxy Music. Uh, you know, like when we get that opening scene of all of them running to the concert, which I yeah. love. They're playing, you know, Needles in the Camel's Eye. You know, that's like a great Brian Eno song. Um, and I actually used it in our promo today. But I love the song 2HB because if you listen to the, the lyrics of it, it's like, um, you know, here's looking at you, kid. I'm not going to sing right now. That's uh, like stuck in my head right now. That's, and, but but it, the Singer. fact that the first time that we hear it, it's fucking <laughs> Tom York, the voice of a fucking angel from Radiohead. Yeah. Like, 
I, if I could marry a voice, I'd marry Tom York's voice. I'm sorry, right there. I said it. I threw it out. <laughs> it's true. Dang. And I and I never listened to much Radiohead, but when she started listening to it a lot, I was like, oh my god, this guy's got a fucking amazing is that voice. The, wait, is that the Radiohead guy who sang that song? Yeah, Tom yeah. York. He, yeah. he did a couple songs. Um, no and way. Jonathan I hate Myers. Radiohead so much. <laughs> oh my <laughs> now. Now I'm okay with him. Okay, but Tom York's <laughs> voice, like the first time that he makes that appearance where you use the quote, Jenna, um, and, and he's singing, that's Tom York singing 2HB, which is what 2HB means. And I, I knew, I've known this forever and I've been waiting to drop that fact on somebody. Um, <laughs> 2HB means to Humphrey Bogart. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we all know how I feel about Humphrey because um, it's quoting a lot of things from Casablanca and things like that. So I love that. And then it's fucking Tom York saying it, who could sing. Now you want to talk about people reading you the phone book. He could sing me the phone book. And I'd just be like, oh, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I mean, I, I like, I listen to Radiohead and cry because his voice is so gorgeous. But anyway, there's, there's my glut yeah. of information. I will pass it on for now. What well, um, we're, we're real quick. We're, you know, you're talking about, you know, um, <laughs> how some of these characters are portrayed in real life, you know, whatever. The thing that that interests me the most was how people had pointed out the resemblance between Kurt Wilde and Kurt Cobain. Yeah, and uh, I didn't really, I didn't really get that. I don't. Um, no, I think. Either. I think like what they were trying to do with his character because he has a little bit, bit of velvet underground in him. He has mm-hmm. a little bit of Iggy pop. He, he does have a little bit of Kirk, Kurt, you know, like just a little tiny bit. I think it's supposed to be like the American like music at the time, because like this movie was British. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to represent, you know, like he's on heroin. So right. it's like, it's like kind of the American- very Iggy pop. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like just the American like thing in general, but I you want to say something, so. <laughs> Can I rebut to that just very quickly? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm actually going to disagree. Um the Kurt the Kurt Cobain thing was actually not on purpose cuz Courtney Love was supposed to do a song for the soundtrack yes. and she said that it looked too much like Kurt Cobain. It's like, but if you know anything about Nirvana and I do know this, when they were recording Bleach and especially Nevermind their first two albums, he was listening to Raw Power by the Stooges nonstop. And that is actually what Iggy Pop looked like. So Kurt Cobain stole from Iggy Pop. Thank you. <laughs> when I, I wanted to clear that up. That is, that is what I heard about the movie was that like, they're like, no, anything that w- about Kurt Cobain was incidental. Yes. Because, um, you know, he, but yeah. Also, I will have to say, really weird i'm sorry to get but like a really weird thing happened which i want to uh so the soundtrack um talk about problematic had gary glitter on it rock and roll i know oh. it actually has yeah. um it has the do you want to touch me yeah oh it has that yeah and i know it has the oh, maybe it was i don't know rock and roll's but, not on it well they in the one that i had it did but in the movie they don't have rock and roll. They have something that sounds kind of like it, but it's not that. And then maybe that's the one that you're talking about. Because yeah, I don't really know song, that much Gary Glitter. Me, which Joan Jett covered in the 80s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Gary Glitter is a no touch. 
No yeah, because you know, so Gary Glitter was arrested in 1997. The movie came out in 1998, and I think that um, I, I just want to briefly go over like the um, characters and who they kind of represent. Is um, uh, Mandy Slade played by Tony Collette would be Angie Bowie? Yes. Um, and then we already talked about how Ian McGregor's Iggy Pop, a little bit of Mick Ronson. A little bit of velvet, yeah, a little bit of Lou Reed with the heroin stuff, even though Iggy Pop also did that as well. Um, And then um, Jerry Devine, played by Eddie Izzard, would be Anthony DeFreeze. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Yeah. Um, And I think like a little bit of Gary Glitter was in there. Yeah. Probably while they were filming it, and then that stuff came out. So (laughs) I just wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Matt went to the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad touch some. Well, I was just thinking that uh, the character that um, Ewan McGregor plays, you know, he comes along as uh, the Iggy Pop character. And he is like, I think uh, the very opening scene of this movie, the, the, uh, the banner comes out and says the death of glitter. That was sort of what Iggy Pop started. And if you think about Kurt Cobain, he, when uh, Nirvana came along in the grunge movement, they killed hair metal. Yeah. You know, well, actually you had, I remember- They killed metal in general. Well, remember Guns N' Roses was a really big deal. When I was in the Air Force, I remember Guns N' Roses was huge. They were sort of like hair metal, but sort of a little more like, I don't know, a little like less makeup, more sort of like tough, but then- Trailer Park metal? Yeah, very much so. (laughs) But then then, uh, grunge, specifically Nirvana, came along and stripped that all away and said, mm-hmm. "Fuck all that with the hats and the big hair." And it's just about you know the music. And, yeah. and I think that what I was talking about earlier, that's what every generation does musically. It tries to take something from the previous generation but strip it down, you know, because they don't want to hear it in the commercials. Like I was saying, you know, you hear, you know, you're dead when you hear the bands that you loved in like the Toyota commercial or in the elevator. Right. I think that's what every generation tries to eschew is. They want to take something good from it, but do away with the commercialism, which is inevitable. When anything gets big, it's going to be commercialized. In yeah. 20 years, we're going to be hearing Nirvana songs in Toyota commercials. If we haven't already, we, yeah, we may I mean, have, we're, we're we hearing may, Nirvana songs We may have now. already. And no, we've, we've okay. passed that to like... Uh, like, what there it is, some, is in a love Like My Chemical Romance or whatever. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> well, yeah. well, again, but, the, but then we, we have guys again wearing the eyeliner, the guy liner. It's sort of like almost coming... It's like glam mixed with punk rock. I always found that real interesting with the emo. It's like guys wearing eyeliner again. It's just interesting to me how everything kind of comes around and it, it, it's in vogue, then it's not in vogue, but then it is in vogue. It just circles back. It, it just teaches you to never think that you know everything because in 20 years, your shit's going to look ridiculous. <laughs> and you're going oh to explain yeah. to your kids yeah. why you wore that and why you listen to that. And you're not all that. I was literally just seeing a picture of not have to explain it to. I was just seeing a picture of me when I was like um, at prom, and like I, I was like Candy, like like I was into seventies, eighties music, and I I was in school when like emo was the biggest thing. Yeah, I had to fucking deal with grunge. 
My sister okay, just I went to a this. My Chemical Romance concert last week. Yeah, uh, and like I never <laughs> liked that stuff. So people are like, "Oh, do you remember this?" Because now it's like the nostalgia is coming back, and I'm no. like, "I didn't listen to that, man." Like, no. and but I looked at this prom picture myself, and I'm like, I looked really emo though. Like that was just like the kind of look that everyone had because we all mm-hmm. shopped at Hot Topic regardless right. of what we liked. Back when Hot Topic was cool. Like I had Nine Inch Nail shirts but I also had like their little like uh, spiked bracelet that was right. a little oh too God. emo. No. I never stopped well, dressing like that. Dave, you were talking about, you know, commercialization of these songs and stuff like I there was a Royal Caribbean uh, commercial that, oh, used, no. that used Lust for Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? uh, yes, yeah. I remember that. Yes, it did. I was so I pissed. And I was trying to remember. There there was a commercial with a Nirvana song, and I was yes. trying to remember. And I was thinking it was Come As You Are, but now, but I'm thinking there was a darker version of that used for a, a movie. Uh, Candy, we were just talking about it not too long ago. Um, um, I can't we remember. Were ta- we were talking about um, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was well it. the the Batman movie. Oh yeah, something that's something in the way, but it yeah, yeah something in the way. That's the one. That's the one. That's what it actually yeah, worked yeah. movie. Yeah. Um. Also, like weird coincidence. Uh, Lust for Life, Iggy Pop, Train Spotting, Hugh McGregor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's naked in both movies. Just saying, uh, he, he was just like, naked. Cox out. I saw, a, I saw a lot of Wayne helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was an I, excessive amount of wang in this movie. I did not know I needed to see his asshole, but thanks. Um, you know well, what? It it was there. I'm there for it. And I am sad. I took a video coming. of it and sent it to my boyfriend. So he just, because I was like, I know that you love um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Here's his asshole. Here's right. his asshole. I'm sad it didn't become an animated asshole with a powdered wig on it. That's right, what right. I'm sad about. We, we, yeah, we, I don't get me started on Pink Floyd because I'll go. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. And, and also, uh, what uh, reminded me watching, um, that, that period where he had the long, like the cigar, the cigarette holder and stuff. I had started one. Maybe thinking of Adam and the Ants. I was yes. in a huge, dude, Adam and the Ants. Yeah. Yeah. My shit. My Sean, Sean is not song. a fan. Oh, Sean, just go. Um, just go. We'll be good to shoes without I'm like you. listening to Prince Charming and, and fucking oh, Stand and Deliver. Stand and Deliver was my fucking jam. Stand and Deliver. What's the use of robbery when nothing is worth taking? Exactly. That's exactly right. That's what the, that's the whole thing. I don't want anything from the previous generation. I'm going to make my own shit. But then in 20 years, it's going to be laughed at. So. And then we'll make our own shit. And then you get to be like my age where like everything's nostalgia and you get to laugh at everything. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> Don't care anymore. It's, your it's, music it's your great. Fashion. I remember when. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> yeah, I catch myself doing that and I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. sister, wait. Isn't it funny, I- though, like when we talk about like like how music evolves and, you know, you go from glam, which was makeup, glitter, you know, the outfits, and then you go into like hair metal. And, you, and it's the hair, still the makeup, the hair, but, you know, now you're, you're bringing in, like, what, leather jackets and, you know, pumps and, you know, all that stuff. Chaps. Chaps. Assless. Uh, yes! And it then, Fuck yes. And, and then you move into grunge, and you trade that that uniform for the flannel jacket, you know, flannel shirt, um, ripped up jeans, things like that. 
and then candy you know, in the eighties, and and you've got punk, and and your your uniform there is the the leather jacket with the spikes the rip, and the ripped jeans, the patches, ripped jeans, and the the combat boots, and oh, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like like every every generation of music has their like their uniform, yeah. You know, yeah, and it's absolutely. and and it's it's and just you know your generation is over when you see the shit that you love like for sale at the mall. Right. That's how you know that it's done, <laughs> right? Or, or you see it on a clearance rack. That is <laughs> yeah. truly how you know you're done. Yeah, that's but a good that's, point. That's just the way it is. Uh, you could, that is the if, circle if of you, life. If you could like trace the family tree of music, it would all go back that way every that's my whole point every generation has to destroy the generation before it yeah everything's but going see, back my to thing, and I, I agree with that but my thing is like i always kept i always kept things like um you know i grew up on 70s and 80s music i was born in 1979 um my mom was a big music person so i grew up on you know a little bit of everything metal punk uh glam rock uh my mom was a bowie fan um, she was never into the Stooges. I had to discover them on my own, which I was rather young because um, um, I loved music so much. <clears throat> and um, so I've kept everything as I've gone along, like the way that I wear my hair all the time. That's how I wore it in high school. Um, I have straight hair and bangs don't work on me because just <laughs> they don't work on me because you've got straight hair, too. I you do. know what I mean? We I can't just, do bangs. We can't do bangs. I try so in I would the nineties. I keep it. I keep it all one length or, you know, at the end, I let it get a little crazier, but <laughs> this is how I looked in high school and how I wore my makeup and I still do it. And then, you know, um, you know, and, and that was kind of like this, this bastard child of a little bit of metal, a little bit of punk, a little bit of glam rock, a little bit of disco in there. But as things went along, I take things like I did. I, I got really almost nothing from grunge. I hated it. I wished, you know, I when like, emo came I along, the grunge. I, was I never liked it. Grunge. My mom liked it, which was, you know, weird, but she was in her thirties. I realized now when I was in high yeah. school, you know, she was in her thirties. I mean, I made her a grandmother at 38. She, I was, she was 17 when she had me and I, I was 20, almost 21 when I had my daughter. I'm so she was a grandma now. young and, um, but so right after I have my kid, emo gets big and I take from emo and I still have that incorporated. You know, I got like the goth girl thing going on, a little bit of punk, a little bit of glam. It's everywhere. You guys see me every show and you see all of these things. There's nothing that I don't own that I didn't keep. You know, some people, they just toss it to the side. And I'm like, this is all part of me. And yeah, I don't want to get rid of any pick, of it. Yeah, you pick and choose you, what you like. Like a and crow takes shiny things if it likes. As Kurt Vonnegut would say, you know, take the things that you love and everything else you toss over your shoulder. And I've always believed in that. You know, I I love Kurt Vonnegut anyway. And that should bring us to the Oscar Wilde. um, Very heavily influenced. Yes. Oscar Um, Wilde. Oscar Wilde was. But someone's going to have to explain to me the uh, the meaning of the green. Uh, the emerald, the, honey. The emerald it was emerald. just made up for the movie because you know he comes from. It, it, he's a child so from Wilde outer space in the I'm movie. Not, yeah. You know, so they they made it like Oscar Wilde came from like another planet. Let's call it planet bisexual. Yeah. But um, you know, so the whole emerald thing it had you know the meaning was you know because he stands up you know in in the eighteen hundreds is like to I want to be a pop idol. A pop you know, idol. And, I just love that scene with his hair, but, the little boy. Oh, yeah. And be, but that was how Oscar Wilde wore his hair, which is interesting. But so and in and, and, and his plays and in his works, you know, 
he was not closeted whatsoever. And so they took that as the inspiration to sort of right, create sort of a wraparound. And so then passing on the jewel or it being stolen in the case of Brian yeah, from Jack Ferry, um, I think is really important. Brian is this really toxic motherfucker. And I mean, Jonathan mm. Reese Myers is one of the most gorgeous <laughs> men I've ever laid eyes on. He's he's actually just pretty. He's not like hot or anything. He's it's very pretty. pretty. He's very pretty. Very pretty. And so a lot of pretty men in this. But um, yeah, so that represented like when he took it from Jack Ferry, who was the original, as you know, Tony Collette's character says, Mandy, she's like, you know, Jack Ferry was the original. And Brian was the type who moved in, saw that she was friends with Jack and because he was kind of eyeing Jack, eyeing her and, you know, used Mandy in a way like, oh, well, he, did he really love her? Uh, maybe. But um, but, you know, he got in with Jack Ferry, took the Emerald, which kind of gave you that like pop star, pop idol um, recognition. And then later on, he gives it to Kurt, who at the end we see Maybe he remembers that encounter with Christian Bale. You yeah, know, that was kind and, of uncomfortable. It's like, don't you remember you fucked me on a rooftop? You yeah, yeah, we fucked on a rooftop. And you can see, and, and not at first, but at, as he's leaving, that recognition is like, yeah. oh, you're that yeah. dude I fought that one time. Okay. And then he puts it in his beer. He's like, I've had it too long anyway. And because so, I guess it's the thing to pass it around. But Jack Ferry didn't give it away. It was stolen from him by Brian. And so Brian is just this taker. He destroys people. He's a user. And then when you find out mm -hmm. the whole mystery of the movie, as we're moving through it, um, that, you know, he, he just threw everybody out and started over, kept that one chick, Shannon. And, and now he's someone else. Cause she was, they're trying to tell him without being able to tell him, like he became someone else. And you're thinking, Oh, he just changed. Well, he really did. Um, and so when it all comes together at the end, it's like really satisfying, but you're just like, Brian's a piece of shit. But then we get that beautiful, like, I love how it's like, we're present, we're, we're not, we're present, we're not. And then we, that, that song tumbling down. I love that whole video. The whole mm -hmm. thing is aesthetically fucking gorgeous. The glitter, the feathers, the flowers. Mm -hmm. And what a great song to kind of like take us out of the whole Maxwell demon, the Brian Slade that we love and the Tommy Stone that we probably don't. Um, Brian. you know, it just Brian was so fucking toxic. And I loved I loved Ewan McGregor's performance uh, as Kurt. I mean, he to me, he like stole the show. He was always who he was. He wasn't yeah. a taker. And but he but like the, the reason me going into this really quick, the reason I used the quote that I did is because, you know, Brian's act was a failure. And then he sees Kurt Wilde and his band Wild Rats play TVI which is, of course, a, a, a Stooges song. But it's so it's such an amazing performance. And I'm not talking about, like, I wanted to see his dick or anything. I just think, like, <laughs> in general, like, they, they set fire. Oh, I did. Flip him off. And he's like, fuck you guys. And, and there's a... Like, there's a there's a part in that scene where he takes the bottle of glitter and he spring lines up, And then he starts like jerking, jerking off, off with the glitter. That's, that's, you know, meaningful. He's taking yes. the glitter... You know, which is all beautiful, and he's making it just purely, you know, sexual. And yeah, he's fornicating. Right. He's yeah, he that. made it. He made it cool. He made it. You know what I mean? Like he did. it's like here's Jonathan Reese Myers, who's like this prim proper lad. With the feathers and he's in like, the air. yeah, and he's like, oh, I've long hair, and I'm trying to do this thing, and right. then here's like some dude who like just has it. 
flipping off you know, the like Jonathan, Jonathan Reese Myers wants it. But yeah, that's why he says Wilde has it. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, fucking glitter. Right. The yeah. bottom and, line and is see, we're all here to get laid. I think that's what he's saying. We're all looking to fucking get laid. That's what all right. that's what music's about, right? Right. And I, this I, was a very jerky, sexual I just love these time. With the glitter on the I really think it was like the difference between like like British and American music at the time. Because Americans it's like are so fucking crass. Yeah, like British music, like in a weird way, it tries too hard. Mm-hmm. In in ways, but like, um, and then American music just is, you know, um, even when they're corporate shills, they just fucking are like Kiss, like Kiss is. <laughs> right. you know what I mean? But I don't right. love the members. Yeah, well, exactly. Like you can still like the music. Like I love a lot of like it's pop not music, great music, whatever. but it's fun. But it's fun. It's catchy. It's cool. Like, come on, everyone loves rock and roll all night. <laughs> um but i but even then like um american music just is like they have that cool factor that um british music always kind of wanted but for whatever reason because of their culture it just doesn't happen and then like here's this american guy like like you know it's like uh he was from a trailer park and he was jerking off his brother at which they say in the movie you know and like and then he went to a sack ward like (laughs) sorry to use the (laughs) the southern accent (laughs) 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 um but it's like it's like that's just uh, like America, like that's just how it is. We like, don't have. I think it, as Americans, we don't have the imagination or the patience that Brits have. They're, they're much more artistic, correct. and their culture is well. Their culture is so much more old. It's so much older than. I think America it's more culture. like it's I mean, it's more con- conform. We're like, impatient. Like, well, look like, at the um, size of England compared to the U.S. Yeah. So we're so much spread out too. Yeah. Well, and America is really about individualism. Whereas, so like, like yeah, everywhere in Europe, people have a little bit of conformity. Like, right. it might not be, like, you know, like, the extreme opposite would be, like, Japan, where it's, like, super, like, you, you must conform. Like, there's a expression in Japan that's, uh, the nail that sticks out will be hammered down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Japanese but- culture is very, very polite, very formal. Because yeah. they, because you have to conform. My like, brother, conform my brother lives standards. there, and he tells me about this. And he's lived there so long, it's like he's forgotten how to be American. Yeah. So when he comes here, it's very awkward, and his his English is so accented, it's hard for me to understand a little oh, bit because he doesn't speak English very much. There's but, a Japanese punk band that I just discovered called High Standard. Yeah. Am I? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You guys ever heard? I've heard I'm the name. I haven't listened to them. If you want to hear. Like if you like um, uh, rockabilly, um, if you know of Guitar Wolf, and no, I, that's I an amazing Japanese band. They also have a really awesome movie called Wild Zero that yeah. I think that oh my god, if you haven't, it's um, just going to watch that culture, watch music come out of that culture, which is so you know conformity and repressed to just break out and say you know fuck it, we're going to do what we want to well, do. Yeah. Well, it's, it's usually it's, only the rock bands. The pop idols in Japan have a very specific, you know, like at this age, you must retire, whatever. Like, and that's where most of the musicians go. But when you get to a rock band like Lark on Ziel, which is my favorite Japanese rock band, yeah. they did the opening credits for Full Metal Alchemist, which is like my damn mm-hmm. ready, steady, go. But um, 
<laughs> ready, steady, go. Fuck yeah. You got to hear it. It, it, fucking, snacks, it fucking slaps, as they would say. It fucking slaps. It does but, slap. Um, and then there's baby metal, which is fine. I was going to say, how yeah. do we feel about baby metal? Because I, I, I like, um, they, they did sorry. a complete Ramones great. tribute album. Uh, this band did uh, Shonen Knife. They were kind of a little big in the 90s. I love Shonen Knife. Shonen yeah. Knife is cover great. of that Carpenter song is one of my favorite. Top of the world. But you should hear their Ramones tribute album. The I, whole yeah, album no, is no, Ramones. Osaka Ramones. Yeah, I know. Yes. I, yeah. I know it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. But really quickly, anyway. I wanted to, to go back to what I was saying uh, just, just for a moment. Um, Brian clearly, Brian Slade would not have, if he hadn't seen that performance by Kurt Wilde, he would never have made it. So he stole from Kurt. And then like Mandy says later on, when Arthur, you know, our, I guess one of our protagonists, maybe he's our main protagonist here because he's the everyman. He's the regular guy. Um, but Arthur you know, he's, he's, um, I, I, I like seeing things through his eyes, but, you know, if we didn't have that performance and, and, uh, you know, Kurt, you know, doing that. And then, you know, that the whole quote that I use, like Brian would have never been big and maybe glam rock as we knew it, or let's say we're in that film universe. Okay. We won't, mm. we won't pretend this is real life, yeah. but, um, and you know, maybe it wouldn't have happened that way because Brian made it much more commercially successive than Kurt's music. Cause he was just too out of control and wild, you know, this, this crazy American guy, but you know, Mandy is like, you know, when Arthur's talking to Mandy later on and she's kind of reminiscing at her part, you know, she's like, it wasn't even so much that he was in love with Kurt. He was in love with the idea of Kurt and who can live up to that. And mm. you see that that failure of that romance. And that's really maybe the biggest romance that this movie has is between Kurt and Brian. And Brian's actually like crying when he has to like get rid of him. But he's so much more concerned about his own ego. But he's actually crying and he does that beautiful Tom York singing again song, you know, right after he throws him out. And but he's actually crying and like his wife's looking up at him like, you don't cry over me. You know, right. I, I just thought that was like a really interesting part. So, you know, but yeah, Kurt could never live up to that idea. When you're in love with the idea of a person, they can't ever live up to it. So he was like, oh, you inspired me. And I think I love you. But I mean, maybe I do in my own way. But like, you're fucking up my career now that I stole from you. So and Jack Ferry. So go fuck off. He didn't try to stop him from leaving. He cried about it, but he didn't stop him. Just moved on. That part hurts me. It hurts. <laughs> to watch him take and take and take. That's um, what I was going to say is um, I don't know if anyone has seen this but um, or read it, um, but Berserk. Has anyone yeah. like that? Like, I, I just got into Berserk and I was rewatching this movie and I'm like, wow, this is weirdly a tale of Berserk. <laughs> Which is about this guy Griffith, who is a hundred percent Brian Slade, like in every way. Um, oh, who's good. a guy who just takes and he's just focused on like excelling himself. But it's funny because like this movie is obviously like the protagonist is like Brian Slade, who would have been Griffith in this situation. Um, 
But in Berserk, it's like the other person who would be like Kurt Wilde would be Guts. Like Guts is like the main character where Guts like thinks that he's like really close with this guy Griffith. And then you and then he kind of comes to find out that Griffith doesn't really give a fuck about him. He just like likes that he's helping him. He likes like that. He like kind of like helps him throughout his journey. But you know, he's so just narcissistic that he can't actually, like, he doesn't actually enjoy his presence. And, you know, and that sends him in this kind of weird downward spiral, which, like, like I was like, oh, my God. Like, like it, it kind of helped me know this movie more. And I was like, oh, okay, I got it now. Like, <laughs> like. I can see, like, I can understand it more seeing that movie or a uh, comic book and everything. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's really interesting. It's just the crux and, and you know, the, the most that we see Brian give himself to another person is to Kurt. And then he's just like, well, you're not useful to me anymore. And it's causing problems for my career. So get the fuck out. But then, it, you know, he destroys his own career. And I mean, you like, saw, do do you, you already knew that from what he did with his other manager, right? Like his other manager was like, kind of like helping him out. And then some corporate shill comes along, played by Eddie Izzard. I can make like, you a star. Yeah. And he's right. like, oh, you're going to arm wrestle me for it. And then the guy's like, what? Right. Like, what you're going to help me out here, right? Like, this is stupid. And, and then, Ryan's just like, nope. <laughs> yep. Ryan's like, just looks the other way. So it's like. All right, you've made your choice. And, and then what he does to Mandy, like, you know, like the the quote that Crystal used, how beautiful people look while they walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, she, right. that was the moment that she knew it was over. And he mm-hmm. used her too because she was kind of this socialite and she knew Jack Ferry and she was used. And in the end, you know, he laughs at her. And it just makes me feel so sad because she like tries to yell at him you're like and then the you know shannon of course who turns out to be such an evil cunt um comes in, do i have to call somebody she's like i'm his fucking wife she's like don't make me have to call somebody he's there doing you know cocaine off somebody's ass and <laughs> you're trying to serve him with divorce papers like you can't treat me like this and then they didn't even tell her that the shooting was fake because they forgot and she was actually sad about it like no. i knew what well- a piece of shit he was but i loved him and that's what, um, like, like in terms of um, Angie Bowie, who Mandy Slate is clearly based off of, like, right. I think that's the most probably accurate character in the whole um, story is Mandy Slade being Angie Bowie because she was a socialite. She did help David Bowie's career. And then he left her. He kind of left her in the dust. Like, as much as I love Bowie, he's had... He's had some shitty moments in his life. And she was pretty them- shitty too. That like their son Zoe, who goes by Duncan, um, she just left him behind. She hasn't talked to him since he was 13. Yeah, she left him with David in, in what she says is so that it would help him stay clean or whatever. I would never give up my child. You would pry my fucking child from my cold dead hands, motherfucker. <laughs> right. And so we were looking at it last night and in Angie and she has remarried, but supposedly she lives here in Georgia, not far from us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But Tony I mean, Collette, the, she's one of the characters you get to see later on. It was the, the original manager. And then also 
Tony Collette's character are two of the main ones you see later telling the story in retrospect, sort of burned out. She was all sort of over it and, you know, talking about it, like, do you really want to hear this? And uh, I thought that was interesting. And Tony Collette's performance, it, she's, oh, she's so good. Although I can't, top look at her, I can't look at her without thinking about the film Hereditary. Yeah. And then I get, you, I and am then your I, mother. And it's up. funny because well, I, I knew her from this movie first. So yeah. every other movie I saw, I'm like, oh my god! Like including <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine, Slade. I was like, oh, it's Mandy Slade. She, she got this role because she she was in the running for it. She auditioned, and then she sent a fax to the director, and it simply said in all caps, "I am Mandy Slade." Formation <laughs> point, and he was like. That is the most Mandy Slade yeah, fucking that's thing what Mandy ever, ever done. <laughs> so that's how she secured the role. Yep. And like, um, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about with Angie Bowie and, and everything, it's like, yeah, she was also a shitty person. I think that um, uh, Mandy Slade, like, I think that Tony Collette played it pretty good you know what i mean like it's like yeah. she's deceiving you know what i mean like oh she was british oh no she wasn't you know what <laughs> right. i mean she like, was not. and and now that she's like kind of burnt out she just goes back and forth like whatever like now the cat's out of the bag i don't give a fuck anymore yeah whatever <laughs> um, gets her money yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> and you could tell that it wasn't making her a lot of money because no one was there it's funny how quickly she wanted to talk about everything you know what I mean? she was the one who, who said the most without being able to say it because we see when arthur calls kurt you know he's like who how'd you get this number um i i kurt wilde's not a, a, available to talk about these kind of matters and hangs up on him but tony collette you know her character mandy says more than anybody else she's like well mm -hmm. then he became someone else and you could take that like the first time you watch it you're like oh he just changed and you know went on this life because obviously his career failed because it was turned out that the shooting was a hoax but no she literally means he became another person and mm -hmm. arthur starts to figure it out uh -huh. um jack fairy we haven't heard from you too much i'm sorry I t i'm really excited about this movie so i, I talked too much about it no you're fine i i told you you know at the beginning like this is kind of your your bag like i'd insert oh, i'd insert where many i could times with me so yeah. i'm just curious no, like, i just i you know i mean i i agree with dave i think tony collette does a fucking amazing job like she does in every film every yes. film yes. um and and i just you know i obviously uh like I said earlier, the, the cinematography in this is great. The soundtrack is great. I mean, yeah, I, I, I love this film. I, it's an enjoyable experience. All right. I'm, well, I'm, I'm ready to get into some shitty reviews. I don't know about y'all. I'm just trying to think if there's something else I want to say. I made notes, but not. I would love to discuss more about the bisexuality in this movie. Because, Let's do that. Let's do that real quick. Um, I think that, um, it's literally the only movie I know that solely tackles that topic in general. Um, and it's very pronounced in the movie, you know, like, especially with Brian Slade. <laughs> it goes, like, back and forth be between, like, him, like, 
anytime like it's like they split him 50 50 like anytime that he's with a man the next scene he's with a woman the next scene he's with a man the next scene he's with a woman and i think like um they in one the beginning scene they interview um ewan mcgregor's character um kurt wilde and <laughs> I this saw is my point thing. too so yeah. i make throw in at the end yeah and and like i think that's like what he says is like what a lot of people thought for a really long time, which is like, oh, these kids aren't gonna like they think they're bisexual, but they're not ready to have like butt sex, basically is what he says. You know, <laughs> he's like he's like, they're not ready to have butt sex. Like that's a whole other level. And you know, and like like I I grew up in the not like nineties, early two thousands kind of phase where like bisexuality is really popular and everything, which it always is popular because more than likely most people are gonna be bisexual, right? Like <laughs> like on some degree, people are gonna be bisexual. Um It's just nature. Yeah, exactly. Like why would you like cause again, like gender norms we're realizing now don't actually exist. Or so so why would you just kind of like put yourself in one category unless you're trying a little too hard to fit into one category? And so I think that um, especially now, like in the early 2000s, it's like, oh, you're not bisexual. You're just a slut. You know, like that was kind of like the thinking back then. <laughs> can't, I, um, can't I be both? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean, that was exactly how it was. It, it was portrayed, though. You know, you like girls and boys? Oh, you're just a slut. You're just greedy. Around. You're greedy. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that and toxic culture to exists. You got to the 2010s as a male, you were metrosexual. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I'm not pretty enough to be metrosexual. And you know, every, the, the stereotype was like, oh, all girls are obviously a little bisexuals and all guys are either gay or straight. There's no in between. There's and no it's in like, between. Yeah. <laughs> and so you like grow up hearing that and then like people are raised in a certain way and then blah, blah, blah. And you know, like, oh, you're, you don't want to have butt sex, do you? Ooh, right. butt sex. And then you realize like, uh, no, you don't have to have butt sex if you're bisexual. <laughs> like that's not... <laughs> just like if you're even straight, if you're gay you i mean my to. brothers are gay you don't have to yeah, have if you're sex. gay you don't like that's why there's tops and bottoms so i just thought it was funny because i think like back then when i watched it i'm like yeah like i was agreeing with him because i was like in it was in the early 2000s and i was like um and I was like in my teens, so I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Kurt Wilde. These people aren't ready to have butt sex or anything like that." And now, like me watching it, like older, like I'm like, and you know, with a lot more experience <laughs> and a lot more wisdom, I'm like, "Oh, okay." They're like kind of like showing in the beginning, like like this is what most people think, and then throughout the movie, you're like, "Oh, this is." actually is and they don't make it a point like they they say a little bit like oh you're a puff aren't you you know a to them. A a puffta. <laughs> look at this puffta. like they they talk about in the beginning and they they have like a little bit of that um pushback that you would get but that's not the main thing in this movie which i always like i hate it when they just 
talk down to gay people or bisexual people or queer people in general, like, oh, it's so hard for you. And we just want to talk about like what's hard for you and like your struggles in movies, which is fine. Totally room for At that. Times. But there's yeah, but there's so many other things like can't we just talk about being bisexual or being gay or being queer or being trans without it being like a story about struggle? Like a heavy handed kind <laughs> and of And that's Yeah, like just just like how it is. And I think this movie addressed it really well. So sorry to have gone on that spiel. <laughs> no, I'm gonna back it up, but I'll go last. You uh Dave and Crystal, um, and or well, the, the one scene that struck me in this movie that I thought was the most heartbreaking was when uh, Christian Bale's character, Arthur, he sees them on the TV and he's like pointing to the TV yeah. and talking to his father. He says, that's me. That Like he's begging for understanding from his father. Uh, and I had that experience, not uh, so much sexually, but like trying to explain like musically what I was into. I think it was a rush song I was trying to explain to my dad and he just wasn't getting he it. Doesn't. It just yeah. wasn't getting it. I, it that, really, that scene really affected me that... He's trying so hard to like explain to his parents who he is. Uh, he thinks that this is okay. This is me, dad. And the parents are just like, no, yes. we, the father is so repressed. And also the scene where um, uh, Ewan McGregor's character, no, not uh, the Lou Reed character is sent to electroshock therapy because he was caught blowing his brother. And as he's strapped to the gurney, his older brother winks at him. Yeah. He was the fucking mm-hmm. victim of fucking sexual abuse by his older brother. He's I, I said this last night. Yep. He's yeah. the one who's going to fucking get the, uh, the, the, the voltage to the brain. And that actually happened to Louis. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that actually did happen. Yeah, that, yeah. that little wink from the older brother, that, that's one of the most pivotal scenes in the entire film to me. That little wink, you know, yeah. he's like winking at him as he's strapped to this gurney about to get, you know, the, uh, the uh, one flow of the cuckoo's nest treatment. It's mm-hmm. just, oh. It just made me very angry. Um, to go back to the um, uh, to the scene where he goes, "That's me, that's me." Um, I think it was it was like 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 because he said he was like talking about it. And he was like, "Oh yeah, blah blah blah," and he's like, "That's me, that's me." And then uh, Brian Slade says, "Oh, everyone's bisexual." And that's when Christian Bale just kind of like looks at them and like sits down, and they and then. You know, there's like that that uh, reaction scene where they're just kind of looking at him like this, like they have been the whole time. And it's like, okay, like he was like, oh, okay, see, like, like you understand what I'm saying, right? And then it hits like I'm bisexual, and then that's when like it's like, oh, uh, just kidding, because like heaven forbid, even if you're into that stuff, heaven forbid you're having sex with guys. You know, and you see him getting kicked out of his house and having a whole hubbub when they find him masturbating with like, you know, the yeah, which is one of the weirdest prank scenes I've ever seen in a film. He was more like just rubbing his shoulder. I didn't quite. That scene was a little was poorly done. Well, it kind of starts up there and then it goes down. Doing? I mean, that's not the way I've done it. I've never started on the shoulder. I don't know. Are you doing it wrong? You're missing out, Dave. You're missing out, like. So I mean, ladies, we like to start <laughs> at the boobs. I'm yeah, just you, saying. Yeah, you go from like, the shoulder. You got to tweak the first. nipple a little bit. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> wait, wait, my own nipple? Or... Yeah, your nipple. Yeah, slip your, your nipple. Lick your, yeah. lick your finger. So... Lick your finger. Slip it into the belly button. Kind of twirl it around a little <laughs> okay. bit. Okay. Oh, the belly button. 
Yeah. And then it's like a foot to her. And then the feet. A little bit. And then you get the feet going. Wait, whose feet? The feet. I just I just wanted to see. He went for it. I knew he would. He don't do feet. That was clearly that was clearly established on like the first date. He don't do feet. Yeah. Mine was like we do feet around here. Do feet. Oh, you don't do feet in my there is a point mm-hmm. I would like to make. We have not brought up yet. There is an actor in this that is from the Apple. Um, and he is great in this. Dave, take it away, honey. I just thought for any Rift Tracks fans out there, uh, what's his name? Rachel, who played Murray, was slacker in the Apple. If you're a Rift Tracks fan, the Apple is one of the best Rift Tracks out there. I've got a Bimart on my car. Uh, I love no retreat, no surrender the best, but I just, I just, I looked him up and I was like screaming, Oh my God, he's from the Apple, which is one of the best bad, like Jesus Christ superstar ripoffs. I'm going to be like (laughs) Samurai cop guy from um, Miami connection. No, you have Hold to on. watch the app. You haven't watched the app. I got to see it. I haven't no, seen it yet. Haven't seen you it. haven't if, watched Bim if, if you like hair and Jesus Christ Superstar, it takes that Would and it just shits all over it. <laughs> and it's just awful. It's and I'm sure love Bill it. says many amusing things. I'm looking You'll to love it. it. Anyway. I can't wait. Um, I know I, I said this before, but I realize that I'm probably the only generation here that could represent um, placebo. Because Aww, I like a little placebo. I've got some placebo on my Well, phone. because Brian Molko's in it and like 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 during the whole emo phase, placebo snuck in there. They and placebo was different. Like they're yeah, because they were a little bit in the nineties and then they had a, like a little bit of resurgence in the early two thousands. And um like I just remember that is how most of my friends watched Velvet Goldmine because they were like, oh my God, Brian Molko is in this movie. So like that was that was the only way I had friends that like actually saw this movie with me was because of Brian Molko. And like the same reason why um, all my friends knew Bowie was through Labyrinth. No one really listened to Bowie um, outside of it. That's a fucking shame right there. Yeah, which, I mean, I didn't, because I still liked, I I mean, I still liked Labyrinth, so it's like, okay, cool, like, I'm just glad that people know who Bowie is. I don't care if he's the guy from Labyrinth. He's hot in Labyrinth. Like, I'm I'm all about it. Growing up, I had no one who who knew what the labyrinth was oh my god that's so all like everyone's five like, year old me is, is like like running around the room throwing <laughs> like feathers uh, so like i have a plush worm i have a plush fiery i have a plush ludo that talks i love i have ludo. all kinds i have i have a, a jareth figure complete with a cod piece david um, oh that's awesome it's rather frightening <laughs> It's a, Todd, it's a Todd McFarlane, Jared. Um, but, you know, like no one knew what the Labyrinth was when I was growing up and in high oh. school. Labyrinth was so big. I guess that's the resurgence that happened. because Right. Because like, yeah. it was huge Heroes when I was a kid, was, but I'm older than both of you. Yeah. Well, this Heroes was in high school. Big for me. When I was in high school. So yeah. when I was a little girl, I was watching her yeah. when I was in high school. 
It was a yeah. big deal in the eighties. I mean, you remember Labyrinth from the eighties, right, Sean? Because you're like the only person my age here. Oh. Well, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, like I said, I didn't listen to a whole lot of Bowie. So that was like my introduction to David Bowie John was Magic this really? giant, giant cod piece and <laughs> I, tossing babies around and shit. Uh, I, I was ready to sell my brother it, so I could I think it's because like it, in my day, like it's like, like in my generation, we all grew up on Jim Henson a lot. Like we I had love fucking Jim. Yeah. Like we had we had never ending story when we were young. We no. had um Dark Yeah, that Crystal. came out when I was a little girl. Yeah, no. Dark Crystal. We had um, Hell, I had I had Fraggle Mo- Rock. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch yeah, the Muppet Jim Henson do Muppet Treasure Island. Parents. Did what? he do the Muppets? Yeah. The Muppet I, he was he he was, night. but he died when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was probably about eleven. Yeah, I was like eight. The Muppet Show was a big passed. deal. Was a big deal in we, my house. We are fortunate enough to have the Center for Puppetry Arts here in Atlanta, and they have it is curated uh, by one of the Hensons, and so there's a permanent Jim Henson exhibit. But there is a traveling Jim Henson exhibit that has the costumes from the labyrinth. I bet that comes uh, to the children's museum. I would yes, fucking go. And so it has the Bowie um, uh, costume from the masquerade scene oh, from the labyrinth. I wanted to be Jennifer Connelly in that scene so bad mm-hmm. that I was willing to like give up my brothers. Like yeah. I wanted to I be mean, her. It has, it has her costume as well, but you know, she was I love so beautiful. Jennifer, I love Jennifer Connelly, but I want to see David Bowie's costume so much. I mean, it mm-hmm. even has. I think it even has the wig. Nice. Um, if I can just round us out really quick before we head to shitty reviews, I was going to remark uh, on what Jenna's initial point was, and I won't go too far into this, but um, bisexuality in the 90s, like I told you, there was that Time Magazine um, cover that I very strongly remember, the bisexuality, the new sexual identity. Mm-hmm. It was a big fucking deal. Everybody was talking about it. And in high school, like almost all of my girlfriends, um, you know, but I mean, girlfriends and like that I hung around with, um, they were all like, I'm bisexual. I'm like, so how many chicks have you been with? You know, are are you dating? And they would always date men. So there was a little bit of these people like, I just I want to fit in. I want to be different, you know, like because I was, you know, I'm different. I'm still fucking different. I've always been different. So. You know, like I didn't really need to adhere to that, but I was the only one. And I never went around and said I was bisexual because I wasn't sure what I was. But I did have a girlfriend and um, we always knew my brothers were gay. But for me, you know, like I always felt much more comfortable around women. Um, not, you know, like obviously I had sleepovers and stuff and it's not it wasn't like that. I had friends that were girls and then girls that I thought were attractive. And so I did have a girlfriend, uh, you know, that we we had a great relationship, but I got bullied so harshly um, that I uh, I broke up with her and I actually went through conversion therapy. And that was really awful. I live in Indiana where it's pray the gay away still. And um, and so I never really got to explore that side of me. I was never really 100 percent sure about myself. And, you know, through therapy, and this has been very recent that I had to come out as bisexual because I didn't know I was bisexual. I thought I was asexual because uh, I had sexual trauma inflicted upon me as a child. So I felt like I got robbed. And, you know, obviously I'm in a happy marriage with a man. 
But it's like, I felt like when everybody was partying and having fun, I should have been dating girls. I should have not let my family and, and everybody bully me because it was my job as the oldest, as the only girl to get married and have children. I love my children. I love my husband. But there's a part of me that's really sad now that I know this, that underneath this sexual trauma that created sort of asexuality that I always sort of identified with. I was actually bisexual and that got stolen from me. So seeing stuff like this, it's just, it makes me feel like, yeah, that's me. That's me. And obviously I'm never going to get to explore that because I'm happy with what I have, but I feel like I lost something. So seeing movies like this, that always sort of attracted me, I understand the attraction now, you know, that, that sort of part of it, because I actually am bisexual. So like, yeah, I've, been coming out like this last month that I know this and it's been like so liberating and and so freeing for me and it's hard for me not to get emotional about it like that was stolen from me but now I I know it I know it now and nobody can steal it from me not going to change anything else in my life I just know more about myself so this is a movie that you know watching it again yesterday it meant I, I recognized the feelings that I had inside of me where I wasn't allowed to do that, you know, conversion therapy is a bitch. Look it up and what they do to you. And um, that like further stripped identity from me, like it stole from me. So yeah, I'm glad that there are movies that exist like this. Our daughter, our oldest daughter is bisexual and she, and the bisexual stigma still exists. This is my, my, my fucking school special about this in pride month. Bisexual people exist they're not greedy. I mean, I've seen her. She's had a boyfriend. She's very happy with her girlfriend now. And, and I'm just, I like to see her being herself. She's, and she's like, oh, they call us greedy. They call us sluts. They call us this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very true that you can be bisexual. And it's not something that you just say, like, you know, she really, you know, is out there being bisexual. And I'm like, good for you. I'm happy for you. I really am that, you know, who you are and you won't let anybody take that from you. And I'm not going to let them take it from you either. So that's all. I was going to say, um, okay, don't, don't ask her, <laughs> like if a girl's like, Oh, like I'm bisexual. And it's like, well, have you had a girlfriend? Do you know how fucking hard it is to get a girlfriend? Like I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every guy, every straight guy knows. And every, lesbian and bi girl knows how hard it is it to is. get a girlfriend but it was at the time i didn't know yeah. how to i was trying to say like i felt like i was being stolen from you know yeah. because yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, I, they clearly were not interested in the other sex so i was just kind of like just you don't have to say that and just be who you are that was my my way but of trying know, to do it and i realized know, in, in with wisdom and, and age now that what i said was wrong that was the wrong way to go yeah. about it. I know that now, but back then I was kind of like, I actually am dating a girl and I'm getting bullied about it. Like, you can't just say these things. These are people's real lives and identities. Like, if you are, you are good. And it doesn't mean you have to have a girlfriend, but I'm just kind of like, so who are you checking out? Like, what are you feeling? You know, I just wanted to know that there was another person I could talk to about it that wouldn't make fun of me. Yeah. No, I was, I was just, <laughs> no, but just as, like, as a fucking oh God, dumbass so teenager, <laughs> I did say some fucking wrong shit because I didn't well, know wrong. And props to you. You got a fucking girlfriend. That's more than I ever did. <laughs> I, I did have a girlfriend and I broke up with her and 
got engaged to a guy <laughs> at you know I was really young and and yeah you know, I I was very overwhelmed very overwhelmed but yeah but so like yeah I realized that I was wrong and yes listeners that is a wrong thing to do but I didn't know any better I was just trying to be like you know if you are let me talk to you show me that you mean it so I know that like I'm not hitting on a straight girl or yeah. I'm not interested in a straight girl because that's something that you don't want to do yeah and that's like and that's another thing like just going back to bisexuality is like like it's very intimidating it's very intimidating to because like if you're gay you're gay if you're straight you're straight um and if you're not fitting those molds it's really uh intimidating to like present yourself in a certain way and show interest in something like that and so it's like when you do you feel dirty about it and like what i liked about this movie and like i kind of wish that they had more women doing that stuff which they didn't really address and no movie ever addresses it and like even in movies where there's like fucking lesbians like like there's always one woman who's like getting with a guy like fucking male I, gaze as shit and like I hate it. It. <sighs> yeah, male gaze shit is finally on its way out and i'm very happy for that um david crystal and then um like we'll get well, into- just real quick as a as a as straight man of a certain age it's it's always been amusing to me that guys of my generation it seems like one of their biggest fears is uh, being found attractive by another man. Like <laughs> oh, I've seen it happen in real time. Gay. And I've always said, well, I would take it as a compliment, even though I'm straight. Like if another man found me attractive, like, thank you. You know, that's a great boost to my ego. I've never understood why it has to be someone you would want to be with to find you attractive for it to be a compliment. Like otherwise it's somehow derogatory. Like if a guy found me attractive, I would find that derogatory. That, that that's always seems like a shame to me. Like you're going to limit, you're going to limit like who you can accept compliments or, you know, uh, Be, because it infiltrates their sexuality. That's going to make them gay. Right. If a guy it's finds not gonna it, make them gay. that's well, the fear, the gay panic, think. it's still in, in, it in, makes, in existence, but I can yeah. proudly say, speaking for my husband, my brother is like in love with him. And uh-huh. he just like, and they flirt, you know, and it's just like a thing, like well, our <laughs> marriage isn't breaking up. My brother's not going to get with them. But, you know, my brother is like straight up like, hey, I find you really yeah, sexy but, and attractive. And they, <laughs> but, he, you know, someone who's hardcore, we're in the South, but someone who's hardcore, very straight, a very cis man, they, they get hit on by another gentleman or they're very, you know, they're told they're attractive by another man that you know, that comes across as, you know, very, um, that, that, you know, takes a hit on their ego, that, that their sexuality, that, you know, that to them seems like, you know, oh, you find me attractive. So now I'm not masculine enough to seem attractive to a female. And that is how they are hardwired, especially uh, here in the South. Toxic masculinity. Yeah. Matthew, Ma- I just looked it up. Matthew Shepard. I couldn't think of yes. it. Matthew Shepard was murdered because they their mm-hmm. defense was he hit on us, which wasn't true at all anyway. Exactly. They were just looking to kill a gay guy. But that was their defense. He hit it like that would be a viable defense. That's not. It was a hate crime. Ugh. There was, was um, we 
in our school, I was part of the gay straight Alliance and, um, we had, um, we had like a, uh, we had like a memory of like Matthew Shepard where we would like tape our mouth shut, like, and like not talk the whole day is like, you know, just like a kind of commemoration for him because yeah. of what happened. Yeah. Left and, to die naked on a fence post. And they thought at trial that if we say that he hit on us, that'll be a good defense. No, it was still and a it's, hate it's crime. Like that, that's like, well, if, if you, you look back, him. If you look back on like all the serial killers, like half of the serial killers were gay men because they kept getting away with it because like like look at um, Jeffrey Dahmer, Jeffrey so Dahmer, Dahmer and, and, and John Wayne Gacy, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because they were like, we don't want to deal with that. That's some gay shit. And then he's only killing gay men, so it's okay, right? Yeah, and then yeah, the AIDS epidemic. I was about to say the AIDS yeah. epidemic. The gay cancer. I, I remember what it was referred mm -hmm. to as the gay cancer. Yeah, yeah there's a wonderful documentary. The normal that Heart HBO, is really good too. Yeah, the HBO um that HBO uh came out with that Richard Gere stars in, um and um who plays Magneto? Oh Ian McKellen. Yeah, yes. Ian McKellen. Ian gay in, in real it. life. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's in it. Um, and it actually tells the perspective of the 80s of the CDC and how AIDS was not known as AIDS uh, to begin with. And um, they, they talked about how the CDC had to go to bat and how they had to go to the Red Cross and had to fight for the Red Cross to test for HIV for every donor so that it wouldn't be transmissible um, because they found out that it was the same test for hepatitis B. It could be detected in that same test, but um, the Red Cross and places that like that that were um, taking blood didn't want to test for HIV. Uh, they just didn't want to expend that cost. It's a wonderful docu-series. I used to show it to my, my students every year, but it came out like 93 or 95. I don't remember the name of it, but it stars Richard Gere and Ian McKellen. Because they, it only, it's only affecting gay men. Why do we care? Mm -hmm. Right. But yes, then it very much wasn't. Has, it very much like, so, they're, so they're less than human somehow. Yes. Yeah. And, it, and it talks about all the all the phases of AIDS, including Kawasaki's disease. It's a wonderful docuseries. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. And on well, that note. Real, real quick before we before we move on, um, oh. I'll share the the two stories. So I like Candy said, we live in Indiana and it is a red state. And, you know, there is a lot of homophobia here. Yes. And I work with a handful of guys who, you know, they embrace their Second Amendment uh, very tightly and um, probably have um, some sort of homosexual fantasy with their firearms. Uh, but, <laughs> I believe, oh, yeah, they do. I believe it. But <laughs> no, no, no. They're guns a girl. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but but, you know, I've had I've had two comments made to me um, at work and one of them was. <laughs> Uh, and it's ignorance, you know. A lot of it is ignorance, mm -hmm. and you know, probably learned from their families. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and their upbringing. One of them, one of them, you know, a guy went to a new uh, restaurant who that had opened up, 
And he came back and I asked him, hey, you know, how was it? And he said, oh, you know, the service was fast. The food was great. But the guy that served me was gay. And I said, oh, what's the what's the problem? Well, it was the way he talked. Um, And and I said, well, I said, if the service was was fast and the food was good, why does that matter? And he's like, well, I just don't understand why they have to make such a show of it and they have to be so flamboyant, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, dude. Wait, jerking off to your guns and right. I just, oh, you it's, it's the ignorance. And then the second one was actually. Why do you have to be so straight all the time? Why do right. you have to show off right. straightness in front of me? Right, yeah. right. I don't yeah. want to see your whiteness. <laughs> okay, we know you like going to Cracker Barrel. Calm right. down. See, there goes the whiteness. In the name of Joe Bob, I will defend Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and this, and but that the, only because of that. And then this, the second story, actually, this came from my boss. And I, I, had, like this one. I had told him, and this was a couple years ago, I had told him that you know my daughter had graduated high school and she was getting ready to go to art school. And he had this look of shock on his face and he oh, no. said, oh, he said, you have to be careful. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, my niece, she went to art school and she came back a lesbian. Like it's like it's <laughs> some sort do, of, convert you. it's a God, it's a goddamn lesbian manufacturing plant. I you love know? that they think that like, like now, you know, that like they have to be a little bit gay if they think that seeing something can turn you gay right like be turned they right. know that they're right on yeah. the edge anyway and yeah yeah, yeah. like they saw something and then they're and they got turned on i can tell you this you can also not be turned say. straight but <laughs> the funny thing that he didn't know is our daughter is also very butch right and like she was already out of the closet so yeah. we were like mm, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> been converted. I, I, have, I have to go on record here and say my grandmother um, thought that I was less men um, <laughs> because I never brought a guy home during high school. Um, that it w- did not mean I was not seeing any boys. I just knew better. Right. Um, but uh, yes, there's a video of VHS when I was getting ready for junior prom um, where she was like, um, don't don't do drugs and don't do alcohol and don't touch any boys and da da da. But I know you're lesbian, so you know you, you won't. <laughs> okay, That's but I'm lesbian. 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 Yeah. I loved when my dad um would bring me to art school he was like you know he's like one of those guys he's like oh no 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 like gay people are fine but like you could see how uncomfortable he was when like (laughs) the elevator opened it would be all these kids with different hair colors going like hey girl what's going on you know and he'd be like very uncomfortable and my asshole is clenched yeah 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 Yeah, my sister she she would do her hair she's in cosmetology school at the time and she'd have like six different hair colors. And my dad would be like, I didn't know we gave birth to a peacock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Are we ready for some shit? Crystal. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> That's so good. That is good. Oh, baby, you know you love it. Yeah, boy. 
So starting out um, with the Rotten Tomato score for this, the uh, critics gave this 60%, and the audience uh, way better at 80%. Fuck wow. yeah. As it freaking should be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to dive right into these. I'll move along pretty quickly because we are running behind. Um, Sundog gave this one star. He says, whatever happened to Brian Slade? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Nature Boy gave it one star. He says, As a big fan of Bowie and Iggy Pop, I was excited to see this film. There really haven't been any accurate films about the um, this important era in rock history. And there still aren't. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, these are pretty good burns, though. <laughs> yeah. Funny. yeah. Well, there were... There were so many um, shitty reviews, but a lot of them were so fucking pretentious that oh, I God, just. I can only oh, this yeah. is an art film. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. So uh, Mike Lido gives this one star. He says, "Underground schmockumentary disguised as mainstream. This is basically a gay fantasy. Someone's <laughs> wishful thinking put on film, but that's okay only for an underground movie because the o- overwhelming majority of the viewing public will not accept it unless it has any sort of quality, which is clearly not the case here." Plenty of quality. Mr. Laughs gives this one star. He says, what the fudge did I see? (laughs) Honestly, I can't remember what the fudge this is. (laughs) Is it a movie? It surely didn't feel like a movie. My girlfriend made me watch this. So I guess it's just (laughs) something... So I guess it's just something that men don't understand. Uh, uh, no, it just men, means your girlfriend okay. knows more about you than you do, son. If you are a guy and you're not homosexual, don't watch this. That don't, and you're not that, that, gay. That don't right. was in all caps. It'll give you the gays. The gays are contagious. He continues saying, God, people complained about Michael Keaton for playing Mr. Mom. Did anyone notice Bale in this movie? There are some <laughs> there are some good songs, I guess. But what the hell is that torture? Honestly, it didn't get honestly, I didn't get it. I was awake because my dumb girlfriend kept waking me up after I fell asleep. <laughs> I Which honestly I hope she's broken up with him. I honestly don't know why it's so he popular. Uh, James H gives it one star. He says, I want this movie added to the list of things we hide from the aliens. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and I just want to point out, I think it's really, really funny because, like, there's the guys that know Christian Bale from Batman <laughs> yeah. and Ewan McGregor yeah. from Star Wars. And Star Wars and Batman are the straightest shit in the world. Right. And then, like, their girlfriend will come along and go, you mean Ewan McGregor and Christian Bale from, like, Velvet Goldmine? Like, oh, let's watch that movie. <laughs> I became gay. I that yeah. <laughs> uh, David B. One star says, "I found this movie because Placebo performed 20th Century Boy in it. I was really hungover. Yes. I was really hungover watching it. I think you see Ewan McGregor's penis in this movie. <laughs> if anyone's interested." 
That'd you be see me. his penis in a lot of his movies, to be fair. Yeah, no. Ian McGregor's like, you know how, uh, what's his name, dies in all his movies? Oh, um, uh, Sean, Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Sean Bean, yeah. Ian McGregor gets naked. Yeah. 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 And nobody's I'm sure on Star Wars he was like, so when do I get yeah. naked? Yeah, he's- I see your shorts is as big as mine. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's nude under those robes. <laughs> uh, Stephen H. gives it one star. He says, a turd is still a turd. Doesn't matter how much glitter you sprinkle on it. <laughs> I mean, That's but funny. at least it's a glittery turd. This is a turd. You know, but you know what's really funny about that was like my screen name for so long because of Ella Goldmine was Glitter Poop. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he's not wrong, yeah. I guess. So catchy, so catchy. <laughs> and rounding us out is Callista with one star. None of this made sense whatsoever, but one full star for Ewan McGregor's glittery asshole. Oh, look at that. I've seen uglier assholes. I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. G.G. Allen. Faces, though. Oh, G.G. Allen. Crystal's a nurse, so I know she's seen uglier assholes. You know, <laughs> it's weird because, like, Kurt Wilde, G.G. Allen, very similar performances. Yeah. Just... Not, not enough bananas. No. <laughs> And, oh, you know, I'm not a fan of that. has a little more poop. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if, if you guys sweet. have ever seen Gigi Allen make a banana disappear. Yeah. I've no. seen Gigi Allen do I mean, a I lot have, of things no. that yeah. I'd rather I've not remember. my brain. I don't yeah. want to. I need fiber. Oh, fuck. So we have to do lightning round reviews since we talked a lot. Um, so I'll go first. I give this 10 out of 10 bisexual pop icons. Um, this is in my top 10 of all time, all genres. Um, this is a great film. It, it's it's artistic. It's um, got a great cast. It's got a great soundtrack. I mean, it, it tells the story in a very inventive and beautiful way. I mean, and we got Tom York in there. So with his voice, that's all I care about is his voice. But, you know, I'm like Ursula. Like, all I want is your voice. But, um, <laughs> Little Mermaid reference. But um but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this movie. This movie is beautiful. More movies should be like it. And it's it's brave and it and especially for the time period, and it's accurate and it's 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 awesome. So yeah, 10 out of 10 bisexual pop icons. And I'm gonna give it a 9.5 out of 10 British mods. I love the cinematography. I love the the choices in the actors that they they picked. Uh Tony Collette is phenomenal in everything she does. Uh, the, the soundtrack's fantastic. Uh, my only nitpick, uh, that, that half of a, a point is I, I feel like it's just a little too long. Um, it, it kind of, there, there are parts in it that, that kind of drag out a little bit, but for the most part, you know, I mean, like I said, not a big fan of biopics, but, but I really, really enjoy this he's one. giving you the eyes so bad. Oh, right I, now. you know what? I'm so he used this, to like it. five times a day. Yeah. He's used to it. They the second girl. I walk in the door, I get that. And I'm like, all right. I'm famous but, for uh, it. Just let me have it. <laughs> okay. Who would like to go next? Uh, oh, let me go, let me go. Uh, real quick. Uh, again, I only saw it for the first time yesterday, so I can't, you know, give it a 10 because I've only seen it once, but um, it really spoke to me. Um, I, so I'm going to have to give it eight out of 10. Uh, why the fuck do you care who I'm fucking? I've never understood. <laughs> I've never understood people's obsession with like, who other people are having sex with. Or I think they're just jealous that they're not getting it as good. Uh, 
And the fact that it's, uh, you For know, sure. obviously supposed to be Bowie and Lou Reed and uh, Iggy Pop. Uh, I'm much more of a Lou Reed fan than Iggy Pop, but I'm a huge Bowie fan. I even have a Bowie tattoo. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the fact also, we, the only version we could find of it was some real low res YouTube version with Italian subtitles. So I think I might have missed a lot of the film. But it was I actually um, Portuguese subtitles because I saw that one. Oh, was it Portuguese? <laughs> so, so not only did I not learn Italian, I didn't learn Portuguese. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think um, I, I almost wish I had been born 10 years earlier so I could have come up during the glam rock period. Instead, I, I got punk rock, which I love. But I, I, anything to do with music, and I think that's what our discussion tonight is really drifted towards music and sexuality, which I think is what music has always been about. Music has always been about getting laid, whoever you want to fuck. It's music. You know, music is about sex and power and, and, and beauty. And uh, I, I love I love the costumes. I, uh, I, that, that scene when Christian Bale is screaming at the TV that that's me, that really broke my heart. Um, I think that's the, the pivotal scene in the film. He's trying so hard to be understood by his parents and it just, it's just not happening. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to watch this one again, maybe in a better, a better high res version with no. I actually still own the original DVD I bought. That's the only copy I have. Yeah. Well, we'll have to seek that out because, you know, I, I need it without the Portuguese subtitles. Yeah. Confusing <laughs> me because they were Italian. It's better on the second watch, even like you get more. So I'll I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I, I can attest to that too. Yeah, yeah, you do. You pick up on more. Um, I'm gonna give this eight out of ten. Obi Wan, the tutors, and Newsies walked into a bar. <laughs> um, so uh, I like I said, I recognize the artwork. I recognized watching this uh, before, uh, but I don't recall when or where. Um, I I love Bowie. Not that much as uh, an Iggy Pop fan. I uh, do like Lou Reed, uh, but um, I I did like this movie. I, I do like um, uh, everything that this movie brought to the table, um, and, and everything that this movie explored. Um, and I do like that I got to watch this movie last night with David, and it was his first uh, viewing of it. Uh, it. It was uh, nice to watch the Portuguese, uh, Italian, uh, <laughs> Spanish. Um, and as a two-hour film, and it held our attention the whole time. It did not. It I wasn't did. bored. For two it hours, did. I was not bored. It, it was very nice. Um, but it. Uh, made me recall times of being so excited for new music to debut before the internet. Uh, I think that's very important things. Uh, uh, this this movie, um, you have to remember uh, a time before the internet, especially if you were, you know, a teenager or a young adult before the internet had influence on you, and before the internet, you know was a thing that, you know, you were not getting your music there or through Napster or through LimeWire or anything like that. Had your mom drag you to the mall. Right, <laughs> right. You know, you even when you did have Napster, that had to happen because you ruined your family's PC. Right, right. Yeah, my yeah. little sister ruined our PC through LimeWire and I had to constantly yep. clean it of, of viruses. But, um, like, you had to develop your own sense and, uh, own sense of music and you were only 
developing your own sense of music at that time through what you were exposed to. Um, and so, you know, the more that you age, the more that you grow, um, and the more that you're exposed to. And so now we have the internet, we have Amazon Music and Spotify, Apple Music and those things, and we can experience so much more. You know, it's just at our fingertips, but, you know, this this was something that was just miraculous in, in the making. Um, and, and Bowie is one of those artists that, um, you know, won't be replicated. Just, he, he was an original. That's yeah. actually like another point that I didn't think about was when Christian Bale's character like buys that um, uh, record. Yeah. And like he actually had to go there and be like, oh, do you guys have this record? And people were like making fun of him and everything. And he's like, oh, let me just get that record. Like it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. I mean, I remember yeah. that with a couple Better of for worse. CDs I bought. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of yeah. CDs I bought. I got, I got made fun of when I was like, well, you know, kind of fuck y'all anyway. Um, but the <laughs> emerald, the emerald uh, gem means power and uh, it's a lifelong, uh, a lifelong thing. That's what the emerald means. But Oscar Wilde with, uh, he, he was a gay icon, but he had like the, he had to undercover go with the gay icon thing uh mm-hmm. he had people identify themselves as queer by wearing green uh, carnations mm-hmm. uh and so that that was something the green and then the emerald uh conjoined together in the oscar wilde i did enjoy those references in this mm-hmm. movie as well so for me eight out of ten obi-wan the tutors and newsies welcome to a bar um i give it 10 out of 10 glitter dicks like (laughs) i love this movie um i mean we've touched on like everything that was in my high school like glam rock david bowie bisexuality um like dressing weird like uh you know (laughs) punk rock like a placebo like everything that was in this movie like was me in high school you know and so um this was a movie that I related to so hard like so much that it like is definitely a part of my personality at this point um and Ewan McGregor has been my longtime crush since this movie and uh weirdly i confused jonathan reese myers and killian murphy for a very long time oh yeah <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. no i know and and like then like that peaky blinders mm. came about and i was like oh jonathan reese myers and then i watched him like wait that's no wait that's the guy from 28 days later yeah with that why. fucking 30 second dick shot at the beginning of that yeah. fucking movie i'm just having a look at a penis i'm just you know we're talking, talking about straight movies we're talking about shows, you know bi- what i mean bisexuality i would take them both at the same time <laughs> jonathan reese myers is mine first i called him. 
I know. I just want to like know, take pictures of him. Honestly, it was funny because my boyfriend and I we literally fought about like um, Ewan McGregor together the other day. Like he was like, "No, if Ewan McGregor would be mine," I'd be like, "No, he'd be <laughs> mine." Also called him first. And like, yeah, and then he, I'm like, "Why don't we share?" And he's like, "No, all mine." Like, oh, you're so greedy. <laughs> <laughs> we fight over people like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's Men, a, women, it doesn't matter. Like yeah, whatever gender you are, people, like we will fight over you. Like I get him first, or I get them exclusively. I have like a harem of husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, wives. Like there's like a tier. There's yeah, a tier. yeah. Like Rosie Gowan, girlfriend, wife, wife husband, material. I mean, we're <laughs> practically Mormons wife. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> like we and we both agreed oh, to God, share geez, Bruce no. Campbell. So yeah. you know. Oh, I just want to be Bruce Campbell, like gender envy oh. for Bruce Campbell. <laughs> I, want to, I want to live with him. I just, I just want to be him. Like every day, just go out and be like, I'm Bruce Campbell. Awesome. Did you guys see that picture of him during the height of COVID when he grew that beard? Mm-hmm. Oh. Like, oh my God. So no. awesome. Oh, honey, shave Lumber, that. Lumberjack Mwah. Campbell. No, I loved it. Anything he does. Mwah. Yeah. Mwah. <laughs> Have you met him though? Uh, okay, I didn't mean to insult you. Oh, oh, that would be my dream. Oh, no, I can't wait. Me. Just every fan's dream but candies, and he insulted me in front of hundreds of people, and it felt like Evil Dead 2. Everything was laughing, and I was like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, okay, this now it's gonna... supposed to happen. Not to me. Like, no, he could do that to everyone else, him. but not me. All right, Candy. I cried. When I see him, I'm going to punch him. <laughs> no, you will you. Like, you will not, yeah. you will not punch him. But if you do, you'll <laughs> knock him on his ass. <laughs> I might have to now, though. Clap for candy. <laughs> for right. your honor, a like, I might butt. have to. A chin butt for Punch candy. him in the chin butt. Yeah. I, I, I but, just yeah. want to, like, nestle if in there. If chins could fucking, like, cave, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they can. I've seen That's it. the action movie Candy wants to see. <laughs> um. Anyways, getting back to but me. this has been this has been a great talk. Sorry, I went a little after school special on you guys, and thank you for hanging. No, around. that's great. I love that. A little bit, no, but, I loved it. Um, I think it's important for Pride Month that we talked about it, and just this great film. And hopefully, people will go out and watch it. Yeah. Um, if they haven't yet, um, it did have a big resurgence in popularity, which I'm happy about. But if you haven't seen it, we really haven't ruined anything for you. It's an experience, Absolutely. and must be played at maximum yeah. volume. Yeah, and the music fucking rocks. It fucking does. Oh yeah, like at least listen to the soundtrack. It's Mm -hmm. still in my head. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then listen to Hunky Dory. Yeah, and Ziggy Stardust, and then Ziggy Stardust. Queen bitch. I could listen to Queen bitch twenty four seven. I was just listening to it earlier, but also seek out the Stooges if you're not a fan yet. You will be. I could do better than. Sorry. Oh my god, I'm going to listen to it right now. Nice. But um, thank you guys so much for being here tonight. This has been a very special horror business and um, I'm proud of it. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Love you. See you all soon. Bye. Good night. Good night.